Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Yes, come on, are you ready for the word? We're in a mini series within our greater series on Jesus. We're speaking about the life and times and ministry of Jesus. And we're looking at our life and our time in light of him. He is the one that we look to as our leader, as our, as our guide, as our all. And Jesus makes these incredible statements about who he is. And we're, we're looking at them uh, over, this, you know, over the past few weeks. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. We're going to read that in a moment. We spoke a couple weeks about how Jesus is the way. Today, I want to speak to you about how Jesus is the truth. And next week on Easter, it's a great subject for Easter Sunday. We're going to talk about how he is the resurrection and he is the life. Amen. By the way, we have Good Friday at, at, at 7 as well. And we have uh, all of our services on Sunday for Easter. And all these services, we're going to contemplate Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. And I'll tell you what we're going to do on Good Friday. We're not going to pretend to be sad, you know, as if we don't know what's coming. We're going to celebrate on Good Friday, and we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday because he won in the beginning and wins in the end. Amen? Amen. Will you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14? John chapter 14, we're going to read verse 5 and 6. John 14, 5 and 6. Jesus is in a conversation with his disciples, and they ask a question of Jesus. He's open to this question. He's speaking about a place that he is going to prepare for them, and one day he's going to come and bring them to this place. And Thomas speaks up and he says, but Lord, how can we know the way? In verse 5, how can we know the way? And here's Jesus's answer. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus did not say, I am one of the ways. Jesus did not say, I am a way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus, the truth. Jesus, the truth. Are you searching for truth this morning? Are you searching for truth? People think that they can have truth without God. But the reality is, you cannot get to God without embracing truth. And Jesus is the sole source of truth. You cannot get to God without truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. Not a truth. Not some of the truth, not a portion. I'm more than even a truth teller. He is the embodiment. He is the personification. He is truth in its entirety. Jesus is the truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the truth. Before Shaquille O'Neal gave that nickname to Paul Pierce, Jesus gave it to himself. He says, I am the truth. See, the problem is secular society, which, which when, I, when I use that phrase, I mean ungodly society, ungodly people. Secular society wants to untether truth from God. And they think you can have one without the other. That you don't really need God for truth. And if you have truth, you don't really need God. And the lie is, the lie is that yourself is enough of a source of truth. That your emotions, 
that your reason, that your logic, that your mind, that your experience, that your friends, all of that is enough that you would find your way to truth. But the reality is that's like the blind leading the blind. That is a lie. And the enemy always comes in with a lie. And you can go right to the beginning of the book of Genesis. It took a lie about the word. It was a lie about truth, which brought humanity down. And the enemy hasn't changed his tactics in all these years. It's the lie that seeks to undermine the truth. Seeks to undermine the truth because it's really seeking to undermine God. And, and secular society says you can't have one without the other. You can untether them and you'll be fine. The reality is, the reality is our definition of truth, even in our society, like everything that has been built, has been built, Western society has been built off of the Bible. And now after it has built a society, the society is saying, we don't need that foundation. We don't need that truth. We'll be fine without it. We'll be good. We have rested our government, we have rested our homes, we have rested our marriages upon this book, but let's pull the book out and we'll see if everything stands. The reality is it will crumble and it is crumbling. Before our eyes, there is a corruption and a degeneracy and, and no one can figure out where did this come from? Well, it's very recent history that prayer is removed from the school. It's very re recent history where, where God is not spoken as a sacred thing, but as a joke. It's very recent history where, where, where government has become, let me even say, uh, the replacement of God and the enemy of God. It's very recent history. And, and now we can't figure out what's happening. What's happening? Well, the reality is you can't have truth without God. And you think you'll just get too good. You think you'll just come up with stability. You think that you'll, you'll, you'll just find righteousness, but that's not true. That's a lie. I mean, it's the same lie that, that the snake said to the woman in the garden. You don't really need God. Come on, what did he really say? You don't, th that's the lie, that you could remove the word and still have a good life and get to knowledge of good on your own. But that's the lie. I mean, even today, if you and I, if we took a trip and we went to Europe and we went to Africa, we went to India, we went to Asia, we would find, we went to Saudi Arabia, we would find radical different definitions of truth. We, we, people don't just get to truth together. Just given a long enough time that we'll, we'll all kind of understand all oh, the golden rule, do unto others. It's the golden rule. It's logical. Is it? Because if you go to societies and cultures and, and nations right now, they would say, absolutely not. Eye for an eye. And you think the golden rule is so logical, it's not true. The golden rule is spiritual, and it came from Jesus himself. And it's logical to us now because our forefathers rested society on it. I mean, I, I, you could go to Israel, and Israel's an amazing example in Jerusalem of the intersections of radical different religions and different cultures. And you could turn down one street, and you could walk from an atmosphere of lightness and, and excitement and joy into a dark, oppressive atmosphere. And the difference is one foot. The difference is one corner. And it's not an economic difference. It's an ideological difference. It is a difference of what is truth. And one definition has brought poverty, has brought shame, has brought brokenness, has brought oppression. And another definition has brought cleanliness and life and excitement. And you could move from one world to another because you're moving between definitions of truths. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? 
What I'm saying is that you and I cannot buy into the lie of that secular society is pushing that you can have truth absent God. It's a lie. The reality is we ourselves cannot be a source of truth. We ourselves are not good enough. We are not righteous enough. We are not wise enough. We are not experienced enough. We are not God enough to determine what is truth from a lie. We're not sharp enough to cut between the bone and the marrow. We need God. We need God. We desperately need God. You know, so many people are saying what's wrong in society. We need to get rid of this and we need to change that and we need to do this. We need, but can I boil it all down? Really? People need God. They need Jesus. But we cannot buy into the lie. We cannot buy into the lie as Christians. Well, before I get there, I want to say this. I want to say this. And we as Christians, we must stand for truth because that's standing for God. Jesus is the truth. When you stand for truth, you stand with Christ. You stand for Christ. And you might say, oh, it's a great cost. I'll pay the cost. Well, you might lose friends. I'll lose what I lose. You might have to change your habits. You might no longer be comfortable. You might have to discard apathy. You might have to change yourself. Challenge things you thought were once acceptable. Pay the cost. Because truth is worthy. It's worth it. It's worth your life. Do you know how I know it's worth your life? Because Jesus thought it was worth his life. Jesus came to release truth. And that's why I cannot give room and I cannot tolerate the lie that's seeping into culture and it's trying to seep into the church and it's certainly trying to come upon and, and into your children. And, 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 and it's the lie, essentially, that you and God, you, you're, you're both similar. You, you both have ideas that you don't really need him. It, it, the lies sound like this. People will say, well, why do you need an authority to tell you right from wrong? See, they're trying to shame you with this. Why do you need an authority? What are you, an infant? Why do you need authority? Yeah, have you read Lord of the Flies? Everybody needs an authority. Why do you need an authority? Because if, if, if there is no authority, might makes right. The strongest, the meanest, the biggest bully becomes the authority. Why do you need an authority to tell you right from wrong? That's what they tell you. Aren't you good enough? Aren't you smart enough? Hey, then they followed up with this. Come on, do what's right for you. Here's the problem. What's right for me is most likely not what is right for you. And this is the slide towards relativism that says essentially everything is right and, and, and everything is good and, and, and just follow your instinct and follow your emotion and don't tell other people what to do. Just live your life and do what is right for you. That's relativism. The problem is, I mean, I could use many extreme examples, but what if right for me is stealing your TV? I need an 85-inch TV, bro. It's right for me. Well, then you call 911 because you need an authority. <laughs> Why do you need an authority to tell you right from wrong? Do whatever is right for you. But you know, on this, on this sliding scale, it, it usually ends with this third point, which is, and in, in who are you to define truth anyways? But you know what's interesting about this? This usually turns into a club that they'll use against you. When you finally do say, well, this is right for me, they'll say, who are you to define truth? 
well, this is what I think is good. This is what I think is evil. Well, who are you to define truth? It's funny, the tone changes when you disagree with their narrative. Who do you think you are is what they eventually say to you. But if you buy into these lies, let me just tell you where they lead. They lead into a bog, a murky water of relativism where you cannot move forward, where you cannot grow, where you cannot build. You essentially are on the sand hoping a storm doesn't come. Hoping a storm doesn't come. What are the results of a society that is bought into these lies? What are the results of people who, who have walked away from truth? What are the results of, of a people that have denied and removed God from every facet of society? Well, I think we're seeing right here, what we are seeing are people who are desperately searching for truth. Society is desperately searching for truth. You would think that relativism would take care of the problem. Instead, we're, we're seeing people who are more hungry for what's real than ever before, who are more desperate, who are rejecting what's being presented to them because they know, people know they are being lied to. This is what's happening. We're praying for an awakening. People are waking up to the fact that they've been lied to. Well, that's not the awakening we wanted. We wanted tingles and Holy Spirit. We didn't want to wake up to the fact that we've been being led by liars. And society now is desperate for truth. You might say, why do we have three different services right now? I don't know. Something happened in January where more people are coming to the church than we can handle in the parking lot, than we can handle in the children's room, than we can handle in the room. So what we're trying to do is make room. And the only thing I could tell you, it seems to me that people are desperate for truth. They're desperate for truth. It's the only thing I can come up with because we're waking up. We've realized that the algorithms have manipulated us. And the authorities have lied to us. People are waking up that those in power and position are about making money at the expense of what's right or what's worthy. From White House to Wall Street, we're not getting the truth. And, and, and men and women in institutions, men and women of science, men and women of medicine, men and women of religion are lying to the people. And we're seeing it left, right, and center. And people are waking up and saying, who do we trust? Who do we trust? Because it seems like all of the things that we trusted before have fallen before us, just fallen. And meanwhile, we're being, I don't want to go into a rant here, but we're being propagandized 24-7 by the news. Propagandized. I had, I had this thought the other day. If I showed you a person who was sitting on a chair and was watching a, an overhead projector screen and that, in this big empty room, and, and the screen kept flashing images, and, and, and it was in one moment something serious, in one moment something extremely violent, next moment a comedy set. If, if they were watching this screen and they weren't blinking and they were looking and these images were flashing, you would look at that person and you would look at that screen and you would say, this person's being brainwashed. This person's being they're being brainwashed. This is something out of the Soviet Union. But, but what, if, what if the camera pushed in and revealed that what was on that projector screen is actually just on your phone 
and it's TikTok. We're being manipulated, we're being lied to, and nobody knows what to do. And even when the lies are exposed, even when the lies are exposed, and this is kind of the difficulty, even when the lies are exposed, when, when we catch them in a lie, they claim ignorance. They say, well, we just didn't know. We didn't have enough data. We were misinformed. We're sorry that you lost your job and we locked you in your home. We were wrong. It happens all the time. They claim ignorance. Oh, yeah, we didn't know. Hey, the science is changing. Huh. Oops. When we catch them in a lie, they double down. They say, absolutely not. It doesn't matter what your eyes see. It doesn't matter what the evidence is. This is the truth. Don't believe your lying eyes. George Orwell says the very last and most important rule of the, the party was uh, uh, to trust it over the evidence. It doesn't matter what you see, it doesn't matter what you hear through your own eyes, it doesn't matter what your logic tells you, you trust our message, you don't trust what's logical. I mean, I mean what do you do? Because even when people are lying, they're doubling down. They're saying absolutely not, this is the truth, despite evidence otherwise, or they'll even accuse you. They'll accuse you. They'll accuse you. I just want you to know. That's the problem with truth tellers. That's the problem with people seeking truth. In the end, you'll end up accused. Just so you know, truth is always crucified. Can I just jump to the end of the book? Truth is always crucified. And they'll accuse you. So they'll call you bigot, and they'll call you phobe, and they'll call you intolerant, and they'll call you all a bunch of names for you just trying to figure out what's true, what's right, what's good, what's moral, what's healthy, what's godly. It doesn't matter what they accuse you of. It matters what Jesus says of you. Because God will not allow, I, I do believe this, God, I don't believe God will allow a society to be constantly lied to perpetually. You know, we, we've seen Rome fall. We've seen the Soviet Union fall. God, God eventually says, I'm, I'm going to bring some judgment. And, and, and in, the meantime, in, that, in the meantime, you need to have an anchor that is not, it's not connected to yourself or your friends or society. You need to have a hope that goes beyond the veil, an anchor that goes beyond the veil. Your stability has to come from the throne of God. Otherwise, the tide of culture is going to wash you out into the open sea. You must have an anchor that is in Christ. And that will be the only thing that will keep you. It will be the only thing that will keep your children. As the waters begin to rise, there must be an ark. There must be an ark of rescue. Because God will not let lies linger forever. You have to know something about God. He is truth. Therefore, he hates the lie. He is good, therefore he hates sin. He won't let it linger forever. He's too good not to judge, and he will judge. You may say, why will he judge? He judges to protect the innocent. He judges to protect his people. A good judge does not let someone who is guilty go. A good judge judges the guilty so that the innocent might thrive. 
And so God in heaven will not let lies linger forever. Don't you remember when, when, when he comes to Moses? I'm going to speak about this in a moment. But he says to Moses, I've had enough of Pharaoh's reign. Now I'm going to get involved. He judges Pharaoh and he releases his children. That's the way God works. And so God tells us in the book of Romans how this works when there's a society that is consumed with lies and consumed with ungodliness. God says, I'm going to judge it. In Romans 1:18, he says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God says, I'm, I'm going to judge it because I'm not going to allow it to go on. Those that suppress the truth are unrighteous. In verse 21, it says, For all they knew, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Was this written this morning? This is so relevant, so prophetic, so real. It's as if God knows the tend of, tend of society and the trend of man. They became fools, and what, what did they do? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies amongst themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Amen. When we remove God from society, we lose access to our common conscience. When we remove God from society, the collective mind of society is darkened. When we remove God from society, the thread that goes throughout the whole garment is ripped. The highway that goes through the whole nation is stopped. When we remove him from society, we lose our common conscience of what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And we end up exchanging the truth for a lie. And nobody can say otherwise because everybody has agreed on the lie. The Bible tells us in Judges 17, 6, speaking of the people of Israel, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Therefore, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. What happened? They had no authority, so they slipped into relativism. They said, whatever works for you, whatever works for me, I won't bother you. You don't bother me. And they, they ended up in massive carnage. Their families and their, their, their lineage and their promises. Why? Because they had no godly authority. So they, they ended up in anarchy. Because that's what happens when there is an absence of authority. When there is an absence of godly authority, humanity ends up in moral anarchy. Because every man can say, who says? Who are you? Who do you think you are? What's the solution? The solution is simple, but it is spiritual. We must restore Jesus to his rightful place in our lives as ruler. And we must receive his word as law.
I don't need Jesus to rule our temporary present government. We need Jesus to rule our hearts. We need Jesus to rule our minds. We need Jesus to rule our homes and our children. We need Jesus to become king again. Do you have a king? Are you part of a kingdom? When Jesus comes, he comes as conquering king to establish a kingdom. Jesus comes and he makes a, a bold claim. Unbelievable. He comes and he says, I am the way and I am the truth. I am the truth. Well, that's a bold claim. Especially if you know, especially if you know the word of God. That phrase, I am, that means something. That has an echo of something. I am, that, that, that goes all the way back to the Old Testament. That is, that is divine speech, especially when you pair it with something like the truth, not a truth, the truth. So like, if you said, like, I am hungry, that doesn't mean you are hunger itself, right? But if, 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 if you say, I am the truth, we all know, uh-oh. If you're not Paul Pierce, we got a problem. When you say, I am the way, when you say, I am the door, do you know in the book of John, Jesus says, I am seven times. Over and over, he continually claims, I am. Well, where does he get that speech from? Well, if you know the Bible, you'll know that it harkens all the way back to the book of Exodus. When God comes to his servant, Moses. Moses is on the backside of the desert of Midian. But the people of Israel are in oppression, in slavery under Pharaoh. And God hears their cry. Because when people cry out, God hears their cry. Now, it may take a long time. May, may, it may not be in, in our timing or our way, but make no mistake, God never ignores the cry of his people, ever. He hears and he responds. So he goes to Moses, who, by the way, Moses' name means out of the water, which is so powerful because his name is his calling. And God says, you're the one that I'm going to use to bring my people out of the water. So powerful, the Bible. And he comes to Moses in a, in, in a burning bush, burning but yet not consumed. So in other words, it was a supernatural fire. And you see echoes of that in Acts chapter 2. There's this burning bush. It's a sight to see. Moses is stunned by it. He goes over and he hears a voice from this burning bush. And it's the voice of the Lord. And he says, Moses, I've called you. And do you know what Moses says? Who am I? Who am I? He's self-concerned. Who am I to do this? Who, who am I to, to be a leader, to lead your people? And you know what God's response? This is God's response. He says, I am who I am. Who am I? God says, forget you. I'm talking about me. Who am I to lead? God says, it's not about you. You don't have to be the truth. You don't have to be the leader. You, you just have to follow me. Tell them I am sent you. Oh, who's that, Moses says. Who, who's, who's, what does that mean? What's your name, I am? God just doubles down on it. He says, I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. Why? Because God's saying, God's saying, I'll use you, but it's not about you. And, and I don't need to define myself, or let me say it this way, and, and I won't let man define myself, I define myself. Tell him I am sent you. Now, later on, we're going to learn a little bit more about who I am is. He is Jehovah Jireh. I am the provider. I am the rescuer. But at this moment, God says, I am. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough for you to know. He's giving them 
the, the, the basic definition of who he is, unchanging, eternal, divine. He tells Malachi, I am the Lord and I change not. Why is this powerful? Why, why does this matter? This matters because God defines himself. We don't get to redefine God. God says, I am the truth. It doesn't matter what you think of truth. I define myself. He chooses how he reveals himself. And we don't get to redefine that revelation. We don't, give to, we don't get to rework God to how we think God should be. We don't have to apologize for who God is. He says, I am who I am. I am the one you've been waiting for, and I am in charge. I say this because there has been a slide in society and in the church to redefine God, to make him more palatable, to make him more understandable. And I just want you to know that's not God's work. God says, I am who I am, and I declare who I am, not you. Not you. There was a famous campaign a couple years back which said, Jesus is blank. And you can go on a website and you could put your adjective, your attribute of who the Almighty is. And of course, the board just turned into a board full of blasphemy and it is full of mockery, you know, and, and it was just, it turned into like this, this horrific circumstance. But can I tell you, the, the idea is flawed from the beginning. You don't get to tell Jesus who he is. He's already wrote us the letter. This is who I am. If the attribute and the adjective isn't in here, I don't need you to give it to me. I am who I am. The problem is, the problem is so many times we try and make, we try and make God look like us. And the problem is with that, it really, the more we try and make God look like us, the less we end up looking like him. God presents himself as God and he says, will you accept me or will you reject me? That's the decision you and I have to make. Do we accept the divinity of Christ or do we deny him? One time Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees in the book of John, John chapter 8, and they were, they were arguing over who Jesus was. Is he divine? Is he the authority? There, there was an argument going back and forth, and finally it culminated in, in, um, in this challenge that the Pharisees had. They said to Jesus, who do you make yourself out to be? Like, we're, you know, we're at that point in the argument. They're just yelling, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you make yourself out to be? They said, are you greater than our father, Abraham, who died? Are you better than the prophets who died? Who do you think you are? Do you know what this is? Just in argument's sake, this is an appeal to authority. Like, if you've lost the argument, now you have to appeal to authority. Jesus was slapping around all through John 8. Just slap. He called. He said, you're, he said you're, you're children of the devil. Your father's the devil, who's the father of lies, by the way. And they're like, what? <laughs> Go read it. It's amazing. And, and, and so then they say, well, well, you know, our father's Abraham. Who are you? And, and this is an appeal to authority because they had none. They had none. They had lost their authority. They cared only about themselves. And this is where we find ourselves in, in society where, where people... Where, where, people, where people are claiming authority, yet they have no grasp of truth. Have you seen it? Like, did you guys see that video lately of, uh, of that girl that asked that professor? She said, let's say two years from now you, big, you, you dig up two skeletons. How can you tell if one is male and another is female? Can you tell? Did you see that? And professor in P Pittsburgh, and the professor says, we are unable to tell by the skeleton if it's a male or a female. 
And the whole class laughed at him. Because this is like basic anatomy. Ten-year-olds know that you can tell the difference of a human skeleton if it's a male or female. So the whole class laughed. And the professor got all like, whoa, rump, rump, rump. You know? Got all professory, you know? And he goes, hey, hey! And they're all laughing. And he goes, I'm the expert here. And then they laughed more, of course. You know? And then he goes, I have a PhD. <laughs> you know you lost the argument if you have to scream about your PhD. <laughs> Don't confuse an education with intellect, okay? <laughs> That's what this reminds me of. That's what this reminds me of. They don't want truth. They want to be right. They want to be in charge. They say, do you think you're greater than Abraham? They think they got him. And Jesus, he's awesome. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Hold on. Hold on. Did you just call yourself God? They picked up a stone, whole group. They said, we're going to murder you right now. Why? Because he claimed to be God. You cannot get to God without truth. And you cannot get to truth without Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life and you do not get to redefine me. Remember, I was in a religions course in college, and, uh, and the teacher started the whole course out, and I knew it was going to be weird, but minute one, she, she goes, all right, we're going to write on the board, what is God? What are the names of God? Put it out there. And so people started saying, oh, Jesus, you know, Muhammad, you know, so they started writing... And then people started getting that this wasn't really about the names of God. This is, a, this is like a mocking session. So it started getting more blasphemous, more ridiculous, more evil. And people are yelling out and all these things. Uh, what's the name of God? She, Gandhi, um, um, Paul McCartney, you know, like. <laughs> and the teacher's getting into it and riling up, has all these names on the board. And I'm sitting there fuming. My veins are popping. You know, you know, I'm, I'm getting mad. Finally, I, I feel like, God, what should I say? You know, I feel like, you know, who do you say that you are? Like, who the heck are we to define you? This kid's picking his nose. Man, this dude's asleep. This person's in their pajamas. We're going to tell who you are? I'm frustrated, and I said, all right, I'm going to say, I'm going to say who God is. So I said, I got something to say. You, sir, good-looking person right in the middle. <laughs> Young man. I said, the name of God is I am. Yeah, the room got real quiet. I thought it was like, I thought it was because it was so powerful. <laughs> like, I, like, I felt the anointing, you know? But I, I what, I'm, Thinking about it, I realized everyone thought I was claiming to be God. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> all, <laughs> I am. And everyone was like, Ugh. <laughs> hit the exit. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Who are we? 
to tell God what is true and untrue. Who are we to dispute the Bible? You've been around for 40 years. You use 2% of your brain. Sorry, I don't mean to, I don't mean to mock you. But who are we to redefine the Almighty? He says, I've already defined myself. I've showed myself through my son. I am who I am. And Jesus says, I am the truth. What is he doing here? He's claiming to be God. Make no mistake, he's claiming to be God. And they knew that. That's why they said, we're going to kill you right here and right now. So the, the choice you and I have is, do we, do we receive that claim or do we deny it? Do we receive Jesus or do we reject him? Do we believe in him or do we choose another way? Do we choose another way? And you know what I've noticed? When people reject Christ and they choose another way, I don't know if you've noticed, but the way they choose is always extremely unclear. It's always strange. It's a mix of crystals and emotions and spiritualism and something your friend told you and an experience you had. And usually there's like soy involved <laughs> and incense. And you know, you know what's funny is like, I don't have enough faith to believe in that. I, I don't even know what it is. But I'm not going to bet on me. I'm going to bet on the word. And like Pascal said, if I bet on the word and I die and I end up in heaven and God says like, you bet wrong. I'd say, well, at least I lived a moral life to the glory of God. But I'm going to take that bet. And I'm going to bet that what God said is true and that he alone is worthy, and I'm gonna to choose to accept him and therefore receive truth. Because reality is when you reject God, you ultimately reject truth. But when you search for truth, it's amazing how often you find God. Amen? Jesus comes and he says, I am the truth. I am the sole source. I am the one you're looking for. And then he goes on and says this, and I'm gonna close in a moment in John 8, 31. He says, and if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. Then what will happen? Come on, the truth shall set you free. So many people love quoting that second half. You'll know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But hold on. It's got some qualifiers. If you abide in what? This is the source. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. If you abide in my Word... Then you'll be my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Truth must be tethered to Christ, and then it will pull you towards freedom. Like a, like a divine uh, hinge or a winch, it will pull you out of the bog of, and murkiness of self, of relativism, of, 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 of uh, strange ideas. You tether yourself to Christ, he'll begin to pull you out of the muck and out of the mire, and he will pull you towards freedom. But you got to tether to Christ. It's like a bungee, it's like a bungee cord. The cord needs to be tethered to a, a crossbeam, firm and secure. Even if you fall, you're going to rebound because you are connected to something that is stable. Connect your life to Jesus. When Jesus was standing before Pilate on trial, Pilate says to him, so you are a king then. Jesus doesn't deny it because he is a king. His kingdom is not of this world. My question is today, do you have a king? Do you have a king? Jesus says, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. 
and everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. People think they can have the truth without God, but the reality is that you cannot get to God without embracing truth, and Jesus is the sole source of truth. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon. Thank you.